Well, good morning. I'm using this uh, chronological Bible this morning, so I can't just like look up the chapter and verse. I got a I had a bookmark in here and I took it out. Okay. Uh, if you want to turn in your scriptures to Luke 10, we'll be uh, working our way towards that. We've been doing a uh, chronological study through scriptures uh, of Jesus' journey to the cross. We kind of picked up midway through his uh, three, three and a half year ministry here on earth and started there. And we left off last week somewhere between the border of Samaria and uh, Galilee down to uh, Jericho where Jesus um, gave that story and the teaching about the Good Samaritan and it was kind of timely in the fact that uh, the Samaritans had just rejected Jesus from coming into their village to uh, share the gospel. So today, we're working our way down through here, and we're going to end up in the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, and we find him at the uh, Feast of Dedication. So if you're in Luke 10, we're going to begin with verse 38 through 42. So we're in the, the town of Bethany, which is just a little bit south of... Uh, Jerusalem, and from there we'll go to the Mount of Olives. Are you in Luke 10, verse 38? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> I think we can uh, all relate to this. You know, we, we think we're doing just the right thing for Jesus, mm -hmm. and the other guy's not. Hey, Jesus, tell him to straighten up. Tell him to do this or that. And what we see in this story, there's, there's so much, the story is very rich in teaching. But one of the things I want to bring out today is there's a contrast in personalities here between Mary and Martha. And just the same with us. We are not all the same. We have different personalities and we have different priorities. And we see this in, in Mary and Martha. Some of us, um, are kind of the, the doers and maybe we want things nice and neat and that's important to us. And others would rather, hey, let's skip that part and just um, open up the Bible and we can sit here in the midst of a mess and all that. But one thing I picked up on this by Jesus' uh, reaction here 
to Mary and Martha was, I don't think Jesus cares about coming to your house and finding it messy. I think he's going to come anyway. Uh, if you want to keep it clean, that's great. That might be your personal taste, but uh, it, it's not a salvation issue. No. You know? And uh, there's a scripture in the Psalms somewhere. I don't know if Adrian remembers it, but uh, a, a messy barn uh, is a sign that work's being done. Your oxen are out doing work. So if you have a messy barn, that means stuff is being done. And and I kind of uh, release myself from having our sheep barn here kept perfectly neat because, you know, we're doing stuff. This These buildings get used every day, day in and day out. So... Well, how does um, Jesus respond? Uh, you know, Mary or Martha is asking Jesus to be referee. You know, decide which one of us is doing the right thing. You know, I'm I'm doing the right thing. Tell tell her. Jesus responds, says Martha, Martha. The Lord answered. He said, "You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed." Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. <clears throat> the one thing. You know, every time I hear that, I think of that movie, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> uh, I know it's not a... It's not you know, Blazing Saddles you're thinking of. Oh, is it? City Slickers. <laughs> City Slickers. City Slickers, yeah. Okay, yeah. Blazing <laughs> Saddles was a great movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a curly it's not a not a uh, real Christian-based movie you're going to see here, but I did watch it. But that's what I got out of that movie. The one thing. That's what Jesus said here. One thing is important. One thing is important, and that's Jesus listening to what He has to say. So they're walking along in their journey and the apostles asked Jesus a pretty amazing question. It it almost seems so simple that we're almost embarrassed for the apostles asking this question. So we're now in Luke 11, beginning with verse 1. Luke 11, 1. So one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished... One of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and he goes on to uh, teach us, teach them how to pray. Start out with Father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And many translations and manuscripts will add on, deliver us from the evil one. Which is uh, basically part of that scripture that we talked about one another time. Our adversary, he's the evil one. This is... uh, 
the core of how Jesus teaches us to pray, what to say. First of all, we have to acknowledge God, our Father. Um, he is the one that we are praying to. Jesus even says, Father. And then, hallowed be your name. Um, I guess the translation for that would be holy be your name. So if his name is holy, that's his attribute. That's um, what he is. He is holy. He is a holy God. Your kingdom come. Right now, we're living in the world, and there's a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. It's not pervasive. The whole world is not in the kingdom of heaven. We who are born again are, and the kingdom of heaven starts in heaven, and it's a spiritual kingdom. That's what uh, Jesus told the Pharisees when they were attacking him. You know, they were uh, expecting that he would be a warrior king and go in and fight. But no, he said, no, you, you just don't understand. It's a spiritual kingdom. But we want this physical kingdom to come, and it will come. And we are to be looking forward to that day that we will get to live in that physical kingdom here on earth with Jesus. He says, give us each day our daily bread. What Jesus wants to know is that we need to depend on God for everything. Something so simple as each day our daily bread. Uh, this, I think this sentence is hard for us Americans to understand because we... We're, we're, we're wealthy. I mean, we don't, we don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from. We have food pantries. So even those that do worry about it, they know they got a place to go and get food. But it's more than just food. It's, it's our whole provision, anything that we need. We need to be praying to God for these things. Um, if you've ever been on a mission trip to a third world country, they don't have luxuries like we do. They don't have access to grocery stores and daily money and bank accounts and things that we, they're just daily part of our life. So this still applies to us. We still need to ask God each and every day for our daily bread and thank him for it. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. So we need to ask for forgiveness, to confess our sins, just like it says in 1 John. And it says that if we confess them, he will forgive us. He will cleanse us. He will purify us. But we also are obligated to forgive others right. of their sins. And it, Jesus even says, you know, how can we expect to be forgiven of our sins if we don't forgive others' sins. And I can tell you, we are really good at justifying not forgiving the other guy's sins. Uh, and, and that's something that we really need to humble ourselves and work on doing. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Just as we uh, read this morning in 1 Peter 5, that 
our adversaries out there. Uh, you know, we can't just close our eyes and, and he's not there anymore. He's going to consistently come after us. Uh, James tells us to draw near to God, to resist Satan, and he will flee. So we have to have an act of daily, moment by moment, um, action, a spiritual action. In other words, drawing near to God, seeking and pursuing Him. Um, maybe it was Doug. Somebody said in one another time how, um, you know, we, or maybe it was Terry, we, we have these thoughts. We have these evil thoughts. We have these sinful thoughts that come to us. Marcy. Oh, it's Marcy? Okay. Somebody. I think we all have and, um, you know, what do we do with them? I mean, we're not causing them to come to us. Our adversary is. He's putting those evil thoughts in our head. But what do we do when that thought hits us? You know, that's where we need to resist Satan. Um, you know, just if nothing else, if you just speak the word Jesus, speak the name Jesus, start there. But we have to resist. So, Jesus tells them this. This is pretty simple. All of us can memorize this prayer. Um, it's part and parcel of our uh, society. Every <laughs> single day that we have school here with the kids, the kids recite this prayer. So, they will have grown up with this prayer. And it's the prayer that Jesus taught us. Continuing on in Luke 11, uh, verse 5. <clears throat> then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend. Now he's not saying, maybe you do, maybe you don't. <laughs> he's just setting it up here. Suppose you have a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is the friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Jesus is telling us to be persistent. <clears throat> what is persistent? It's, it's not being irritating in the sense of obnoxious, but we're, we're diligently um, praying. We're, we're diligent, diligently getting in the posture of praying. We, we have trained ourselves to pray every day, seeking God's provision. Um, it's, it's not repetition. Persistence isn't just repetition. In other words, if we were um, like the Jesus talks about the Gentiles in the square, they're just praying over and over. They use repetitive phrases, thinking that they're being persistent. I don't think that's the kind of persistence no, Jesus means. Different approaches. I'm sorry? Different approaches. you got to try different ways. You know, that's persistence is, is, sure. is always trying to find a way, you no. know. You know, yeah. one way doesn't work, so. Persistence doesn't include trying to make it happen. 
Yeah, good so point. I can't Great. Force it <clears throat> good That's point. Right. Good point. Yes. Um, but I think persistence also requires faith. Persistence requires faith. Um, we're not going to ask God to provide us something to meet our needs, to handle a situation um, if we don't believe in him and his power, his authority, his willingness. So persistence requires faith. So Jesus is telling them, say this when you pray and be persistent. You know, just don't um, come to me uh, once a year. You know, you should be praying without ceasing, moment by moment. You know, but your, your thoughts are always connected to God through the Spirit. I think the persistence also has to be with the right heart and the right motivation. Yes. Uh, which I think this next um, passage kind of touches on that. We're in Luke 11, now we're in verse 9. So, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find... Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I think the uh, there's a real simple and plain message here, and that is that we humans, um, we're not perfect. And yet we know how to give our kids a good, a good gift. And we're if they ask for something, we're not going to give them something else that's a bad gift. And Jesus said, well, if you can do that, and you're just human, imagine what God, our Father in heaven, the owner and provider of all things, can do. But he's, he's get, drilling down to the main point here, and that is the Holy Spirit. He will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. What is, what is the point that Jesus is trying to make? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. And uh, because of Jesus' sacrifice and atonement and resurrection, the Holy Spirit came 50 days later at that day of Pentecost, and now is a personal gift dwelling within each believer. And the Holy Spirit is defined by Jesus for us in the Gospels, what he does, who he is, what his attributes are. He's a counselor, he's a teacher, he's a guide. And we can ask and know God's will for us because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit if you can kind of visualize it, when we pray, he goes to the Father, gets the answer, and brings it back to us. Have you been praying before and you immediately know the answer? You know, it can, it can happen immediately. 
It might come a little bit later. But Jesus is pointing out the Holy Spirit is this gift, and it's He that helps us pray right. In other words, we we should always, I think, start to ask God what is His will for us in this matter. And if we will ask, He will answer. And this touches on Adrian's point is if you're going to pray with the right motive through the Holy Spirit, God will answer. Remember last week we talked about how Jesus was trying to go into the to Samaria and uh, they wouldn't receive him. And James and John said, hey, Jesus, you want us to call fire down on heaven from him? Torch him? That isn't um, Jesus was teaching them. No, that isn't the right. That's not, that's not my heart. I didn't come to destroy them. I came to save them. And we do the same thing. You know, we, when we're uh, tested or, you know, people uh, resist us, oppose us, you know, we'll pray for bad things to happen to the other people. But we want God to do those bad things. And Jesus said, no, no, you got it backwards here. And if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we would be out of control. So Jesus is pointing out how important it is to have the Holy Spirit and to ask the Father for it, for him, and he will come. This is part and parcel of being born again. It's, it's an immediate transaction that he puts his spirit in us. And it, his spirit in us is the only way that we can even begin to live a holy life. Alrighty, continuing on. We're in John 10. John 10, beginning with verse 22. So now we find uh, Jesus in Jerusalem at the temple. So whether he was intentionally present for the feast or there for other reasons, Jesus is in Jerusalem at this point. And it's in December during the eight-day Feast of Dedication, which uh, we commonly known as, know as Hanukkah. This feast was instituted about 164 B.C. by Judas Maccabeus, and in commemoration of the refurbishing of the temple, after it had been profaned for idolatrous use by uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. That was in 168 BC. So, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, in case you're not familiar with him, he was a Greek king over Syria, and his name means God manifest. God manifest. And he set up a statue of Zeus in the temple, and he sacrificed a swine there, which was extremely offensive to the Jews living under the Mosaic law where um, swine was considered uh, unclean. And he outlawed basically all the Jewish rites and traditions from the temple. So after the Maccabees rested the temple back, um, they started having that celebration every year. So we this is 
where we find Jesus at this moment in this journey. So faithful Jews gather there to celebrate it, the rededication of the temple, and Jesus takes this opportunity to teach to the many people that are there present for this feast. And during this this uh, teaching moment, when the Jews ask Jesus whether he is the Christ, he reminds them of his miraculous works as proof of his deity. And he then says that he and the Father are one, which infuriated the Jews to no end. They see that as rank blasphemy. And they take up rocks to stone Jesus. Try to have him arrested, but Jesus escapes. John 10, verse 22. Are you there with me? <coughs> then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews, Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? Tell us if you are the Christ. Tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. Don't we find that often? Uh, we'll share the gospel about Jesus and the person doesn't believe. And we're kind of guilty of the same thing. Sometimes we hear things from the Bible or Scripture and we just don't want to believe it. So we put up a, a little barrier too. Uh, so Jesus goes on to say, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. <clears throat> my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So Jesus was not crucified because of him being a prophet. He was crucified from being accused of blasphemy, of claiming that he was God. So often critics uh, will say that Jesus never said that he was God. Well, as you've seen the last few weeks, we see he's repeating it over and over. And right here he says, I told you guys, and you just don't believe. How much more plain can I be? But I think Jesus is offering to us the greatest news of all, is when we believe in him, he gives us eternal life. That's, that's the payoff, if you will. You believe and you receive eternal life. Um, I was out with somebody this week. We were going door to door. And a man came to the door, um, older man, on oxygen, uh, no shirt, and uh, we were inviting him to come to church, and he was telling us how he just got a uh, diagnosis for stage four prostate cancer. And when he told us that, we asked him, well, could we pray for you? We're right here. Can we pray for you right now? And believe it or not, he said, yeah, come on in. That doesn't happen very often. So he invited us in. And we, we were talking to him about his medical 
problems. And, you know, he was older, uh, <clears throat> probably 75, 80, I guess, anyway. And he just got this bad news. And, and so we popped him the question is, do you know where you're going to go when you die? He says, well, not really. I, I, <coughs> I think Jesus would be with Jesus. So we were able to go through and share how he can know today. That very moment that we were sitting there at that table with him, he could know where he was going. And we began to share the gospel and pray with him. And this is what Jesus is saying. He gives believers eternal life. They shall never perish. And if you're, if you're blessed enough to have many years after you uh, receive eternal life here on earth, he says, no one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. The Father gave us to Jesus, and we cannot be taken away from him. We cannot be taken out of his hand. We wrongly believe that we're the one hanging on to Jesus. But it's the other way around. Jesus is hanging on to us. We cannot be taken from him. He loves us so much, he's going to hang on to us. He will not be taken away from him. Uh, continue on. We're in John 10, verse 31. So, as I facetiously say, the Jews loved us so much, they began to pick up stones to stone us. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? This was all part of the uh, Mosaic law, that if somebody blasphemed, the penalty was being stoned to death. They would throw rocks at them and Kill the person. We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. So they they understood that he was claiming to be God. They didn't make that up. This is the message that Jesus was saying. And their response was to accuse him of blasphemy and stone him. <laughs> And notice how they only accept him being a man, a mere man, not God as he proclaimed. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do you do not believe me unless I do what my father does? But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. And again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their, their grasp. So once again, it, it almost seems like us reading it through this, it's like Jesus is, keeps repeating the same thing. that he, How many times do I tell you, I am God? And he gives them all these different ways to uh, be able to believe that. And one of them is the miracles that he's done. And many people <coughs> did believe because they saw the miracles, they figured... No one who is an actual sinner or has a demon to do these things. So maybe he really is God as he steps. 
So he finishes up in verses uh, 40 and 42 of chapter 10. He's, then Jesus went back across the Jordan. So he's up here in Jerusalem. So now he goes back across the Jordan into Perea. And that was the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. And they said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Uh, I can't wait till next week because while he's in Perea, he's going through the villages and he's teaching a bunch of these parables that we know and love. And I can't wait to read through those, all those parables again. And I hope um, you will appreciate it just as much rereading those parables. Any uh, additions or comments to today's message? All righty. Well, let's gather around and pray for one another.